cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are two guys, one car Who knows what day it is or what time it is, or what date it is anymore, because all time is meaningless. But I believe, according to my computer, it is a Tuesday, March the 24th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And yeah, what a a weird way to enter the second episode of Two Guys, One Cup. We're just talking off air about there being no football, and we'll have to pad out the episodes talking about non-footy related stuff. And then we both realise that maybe this is our time. Yeah, these times might be made for this podcast, Charlie. Finally, what you really need uh, to fill your football needs is a podcast that really is improved on by actually watching any football. It was a weird weekend. I'm not sure how many games you watched, but I I watched the opening game and then I watched a bit of the Bulldogs-Collingwood and I can't quite find the words to describe how it was, but like you know when... I don't know. There's a movie. I can't think of what the movie is, but there's a movie where there's like a monster out in the woods and everyone's sort of like hiding in this house and they have to decide who's going to go out into the woods. And so they send like, you know, they draw straws and they send two people off. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. (laughs) Like I don't feel, I feel like we should all be staying in the house. I don't feel like we should be sending some of us off into the woods, you know, to kind of like seek help or for our entertainment. It just... I, there was a real lack of enjoyment for it. Something about it just felt wrong to me. It felt like to me, Charlie, um, that scene from It Part 2, uh, the modern remake of the Stephen King classic, it, where all the guys have gone back to Derry to, mm. you know, to fight Pennywise the Clown, and then immediately when they all get back together, they all then split up and go off in separate directions again for individual missions. And you're like, there is a killer alien clown in this town. We need to work together. We don't need to be going off on these pointless solo missions. And that's what the opening round of the AFL felt like a little bit to me. Yeah, it was just hard to kind of, I guess with what's happening all over the world and and, and with every industry in the world, it was sort of hard to sort of get your head around, well, what... Uh, what are the pros and cons in this situation? Okay, so we're getting a bit of distraction and a bit of normalcy, but against what we're facing, it just felt wrong. Well, I mean, in retrospect, it's very easy to look back and go, what were they fucking thinking? How did they have the confidence that they thought that this was going to be anything other than us just watching one round of football? But maybe that in itself was enough for them. You know, they floated some things that I think may have longer lasting effects on the competition, even if we only played this one round. Say, for example, they don't play another game of football for this entire season. I Mm. think you would go into 2021 seriously looking at the idea that quarters should be 16 minutes plus time on. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the weird thing... That that sort of really hit home. By the time we got to the end of the the concluded conclusion of the round, was like the game's not going to be the same ever again. And I'm trying not to, uh, you know, get too dramatic about it. But I was thinking about all these clubs with all these staff and all these employees and how to sustain it. Like, you know, my club in particular. Like the last ten years, we've been running at a loss, even when we've been playing, you know, full rounds, a full season. And what happens? Now, and I, you know, knock on wood, and I, I'm hoping every team comes back next year. But depending on how long this thing goes on for, like the competition could look really, really different next year. Well, if the competition doesn't have the money come in this year to pay for all the teams and to, yeah, like any business, like there is a bit of Schadenfreude out in there in the community. And I think there are some people who think that the AFL have this limitless amount of money, partly because. For a while, times have been very good in AFL football. But if you go an entire season and you have to still pay people or you get to the situation where a lot of other businesses are going through at the moment, which is that you can no longer afford to pay people. And those people who work in the back back offices of these football clubs aren't all highly paid paid glamour AFL athletes. These Mm. are 
people who have office jobs, you know, they have jobs in marketing and administration and all these sort of things that, you know, pay their bills and their rent and their mortgage and all these things. So the flow on effects, you know, just within the clubs themselves, before you start to think about the idea of, you know, all the jobs that are created in catering companies and security companies and, Mm. you know, all the various things that are immediately adjunct to football. And then you have that broader expectation as well, which is the flow and effect of merchandising and all the various things that are AFL related, you know, the TV deal, how they're going to, you know, negotiate with the TV networks, all this money that they've been given, but obviously haven't been able to deliver the product. There is, I mean, the ramifications for the industry itself, what it might look like in 2021 or 2022, are going to be directly affected by this season. So the fact that they even played around, mm. the fact that they now have their have dipped their toe in the water and there is a possibility that, you know, even if it's very late in the year, as they're saying, they might might play up to Christmas, Christmas yeah. to get the games in. They've... They've kind of started the season in a way that makes you think, okay, now we have to complete the season. Yeah. Whereas I think if you played no games at all, there would have been a point in the season where they just say, well, the in the entire thing's a write-off. Mm. We're just going to not have a season this season. Uh, we uh, like a week a week ago, there was this uh, some rumblings about you know disgruntled members and stuff talking about wanting a refund on their membership or whatever. And I just think like if you are a true football fan and you do love your club. Like, this is now a time where you shouldn't be asking for a refund. Like, you know, if I understand everyone's doing it tough, but if you've already committed the money and you want this competition to come back, then I say just let the club have the money because they're going to be dealing with some massive, massive economic realities very soon. Well, it's one of those things. What if, Charlie, the reason you're demanding your money back is your team's performance in the first round? (laughs) Could you contact the club and say, look, I I need to point out – this has nothing to do with the fact that the season's been cancelled. This is entirely based on the one game of football I've seen your club produce this season. And if that's the only game I'm going to see, I'm sorry, but those two top dogs memberships that I pay for every year. I mean, I understand what you're saying and I think it's great and I'm certainly not going to ask for my membership money back. But at the same time, you know, we're refunding all the money for tickets to my comedy festival shows mm. because people won't get to see the show. Like, I'm not asking people to go, that's your membership fee for Will Anderson this year and could you please, you know, just get, well, maybe I should. Maybe that's actually, I'm looking at this the wrong way, Charlie. Maybe I should have been encouraging the AFL, keep your money there in the memberships and I turn all those ticket sales into memberships <laughs> to Will Anderson. So if you just want to keep your membership for this season, that'd be really good so that I can rebuild in 2021. Well, I think it's how you view what your membership is. Like if you're seeing it as a pure exchange for I give money, so therefore I get to see games, then sure, I understand that. But my philosophy with the membership has always been I support the club. You know, like I have a certain amount of money that I donate to charitable causes and it turns out the St Kilda Football Club is the most needy charity of all. Increasingly a charitable cause. In fact, when you sign up for your St Kilda membership, you should actually be able to claim that as a tax deduction. (laughs) It was funny actually uh, uh, because in my official role as ambassador for the St Kilda Football Club, Will, um, they emailed me last week and said, look, we want to just – create a bit of like buzz around round one. And so we're asking, you know, various supporters and ambassadors to just film themselves watching the game and then send the footage into us and we'll cut it into a little package this week, you know, as part of round one. And I was like, yeah, cool, cool. And I'm not sure if you saw any of the Saints game, but, um, you know, we had a 35-point lead at one stage. Which what you're saying is, Charlie, they might only be using footage that was filmed in, say, the first half of the game rather than the second half of the game. It's fair to say I was displeased by the last quarter. Many chances to win the game, we just couldn't do it. So, yeah, I think if they, as long as they just take all the footage from the second quarter, it should be fine. You said Gemma? You know what? No longer in my film. The first, like, yeah, you know, the first half of the game, you were just like, "This is fantastic." You're filming all this great reaction of you watching the game on your phone. Then, when things turn really bad for the Saints, you suddenly get Gem in, you know, a film director, a whole bunch of camera equipment, and you're like, "I really want to, re- I really want to give them a really good take on how I feel about the fact that we're not winning this game." Well, I was sort of stuck between. I just put the baby down to sleep, and it was like. The club obviously wants some big reactions. They want some stuff that they can, you know, use in this video. So I wanted to give them a couple, you know, for every goal and stuff. But at the same time, my baby was asleep. So you're getting, you're getting, I have my hands tied behind my back. Well, I'm a performer. Like, you know, my my body and my face is my instrument. I couldn't use it at all because my babies were sleeping. 
Um, it is like, I mean, they. Well, let's talk about the Saints. We might as well talk about the one round of football yeah, that we okay, actually got sure. to see. Um, what were your thoughts having watched the Saints game? Like, what what was your general impression of that game? Um, I went into that game fairly apprehensive about. I just reckon uh, North were a really good inside team, and I just didn't know because we've got a, still a lot of young guys and a fairly young midfield. Um, and I was really impressed with how we sort of matched it in that first half. But then the drop-off was so dramatic in the second half. I mean, I don't know. Look, I, I my expectations for the season were fairly conservative. I was like, I could sort of see us finishing just outside the eight again. But maybe if all these new players come in and we click, we can jump in there. And in the first half, I was like, oh, my God. Like, our recruiters are geniuses. Look at this. We, we look amazing. But I think that is the nature of having – you know, we still have a bunch of players under 50 games. You know, Max King was playing his first game and probably kicked the most goals, which is only two for us. What, do you, but, what, were your, um, what did you think of Max King? Was was he exciting to watch? No, no. I mean, like I've seen him in practice matches and he's been exciting to watch. But that particular game, his two goals were from free kicks. I think... He's so huge. He's like six foot seven or something. Uh, you might have uh, seen his brother, Ben King, playing for the Gold Coast. They're twins. Um, so you get a kind of, not that twins are the same people, but they're the same people. So you get an idea of, <laughs> you get an idea of what he's going to be like. The AFL's never had an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito-style twins, have they? The twins that play in the AFL always tend to be pretty similar in performance. Yeah. Is that, there, have there been any non-identical twins play in the AFL? Were the Carr brothers twins or they're just brothers? Um, which ones? From They were just brothers. Josh and – wasn't there another car? Josh Carr and um, – Motor car? <laughs> yeah, motor car. He's his brother, Josh and motor. Oh, you're thinking of the motor car that Josh drove to the game, Charlie. No, that wasn't his twin brother. That was actually no, just his car. That's That was his transport. Um, I didn't really... Oh, yeah, he has an older brother, Matthew Carr. Thank you, Mike. Um, I Look, because of the weirdness of the round and stuff, I didn't... I wasn't as emotionally invested in the game, and nor did I... It just felt like an extension of the the preseason competition. You're just sort of getting your, your head around, oh, this player's playing here now, and... Um, I think of the new guys, I thought Dougal Howard was pretty good. Brad Hill was surprisingly quiet. But the thing about Brad Hill, and I mentioned this on an earlier podcast, is that when he kicks the ball, he hits a target, which is so unusual for for a St Kilda midfielder. Like it really, he only needs to get five touches a game because all of them go hit a target and it it gives you the impression that he's played a much better game than he has. Um, It's interesting to me, like, if this season finished now, right? For example, this is the only game that is played. I guess they write off the entire season, right? Like, none of it counts. Yes. Like, it's not like we're going to have a Brownlow night where we just count the the Brownlow votes from round one and have, like, a six-way tie in the Brownlow. And it's not like they're going to award the team that's on top of the ladder, you know, the premiership after one game. What happens to drafts? The drafting order, is it just the same drafting order it would have been last season? So do you get two chances at an AFL? So like, for example, you know, would it be, would Gold Coast get pick one and pick two again this season going into the new draft? I guess that... Because that would be pretty much the only fair way to do it. Maybe you wouldn't give them pick one and pick two, but other than that... It wouldn't the only fair way to do it be in the in the previous order? A hundred percent. I mean, I did uh, listen to them talking about what they actually do about the draft this year because obviously that competition's been cancelled as well, and so there's a bunch of players who will be drafted not off their 2020 form but off their under 17 tapes, which apparently like there was a bunch of examples that were given that there was a bunch of players who have taken high in the draft who only really exploded in their final year of junior competition. So it could actually be much more interesting because you might be the club that, you know, I mean, it'll happen to Richmond, let's be honest, because it always happens to Richmond these days. They've turned Richmond around. They will get a player, you know, pick 20 or whatever, and it'll turn out to be like the guy who would have exploded with one more year. Yeah, exactly. Give him one more year, definitely would have been the number one draft choice. Although... Um, if, if they did it on the current uh, ladder standings, I'd be reasonably happy. In fact, I might start lobbying for that uh, because the Bulldogs would get the second pick. 
That'd be quite... <laughs> this would be the one upside of what happened on the weekend is we get second pick in the draft. Luckily, Charlie, Gold Coast would still get first pick. So uh, tell me about the Bulldogs game. Uh, they were terrible. Shut down the season. Yeah. Um, can we just talk a little bit about Bevo's hair? Now, is this because yeah. they've shut down hairdressers in Victoria? Is that why he's got that look going on? Yeah, I mean, well, Bevo's way ahead of the curve when it comes to... I mean, this is why the Bulldogs lobbied to actually be able to play because they were like, Bevo is already cutting his own hair. He's already not using all these non-essential services. Probably grows his own food and stuff like that as well, Bevo, I imagine. It's kind of like that... uh, It's a very 80s kind of He-Man type haircut or Conan the Barbarian type thing going on. I mean, he also looks like... You know, some coaches get older and more stressed and stuff, greyer and stuff, but he looks like he's been bulking. (laughs) He looks thicker and more muscular this season than he has any previous season. Where's the stress? Well, I think that in the past, you know, the the theory was, of course, that Bevo was the only fit guy at the club. (laughs) And, you know, the fact that we, the reason that all our players look so weedy was because they could never get into the gym because Bevo was there the whole time. Um, But they have, you know, had a big summer on the weights, the Bulldogs. But gee, it, it, they looked slow. Mm. They didn't look committed. Like that's two absolute shellackings in a row for us now. Because yeah, the prelim was you know pretty embarrassing that day, and then yeah, this was pretty embarrassing as well. So against two sides that if we're going to be if we're going to be a really decent side, you've got to be much more competitive against GWS and Collingwood than than we looked. We were we were terrible. It was we're the one club that in some ways may benefit from the fact that we don't have to play next week because now they have to really have a think. Like they've gone in with all this expectation. Chris Judd has said on Thursday night that he thinks they're going to win the premiership and then they have just come crashing back to earth and now they've just got three months to go away and have a good hard think about it and see if they can pull themselves together. It, it seemed very un-Bulldogs like, especially, I mean, when you say Bulldogs like, you think that 2016 season, but that kind of manic attack on the ball, I think – three-quarter time that only laid 20 tackles which seemed unusual for the Bulldogs yeah I mean the tackles were way down across the league apparently apparently they normally average about mid 60s and they were mid 40s but I think Bont had five or six tackles himself which meant that between the rest of the team barely anybody had to tackle yeah and Collingwood also looked good I mean how good does Gavin Brown's kids look yeah, okay. Well, this is uh, – if we're looking for upsides, I guess the fact that Collingwood look really good and now we're not playing football, we can see as an upside. <laughs> yeah, we'll take that for sure. Yeah, exactly. What are the positives that came out of this season? Look like Collingwood might actually win a premiership. Nathan Buckley must be like, what the fuck have I done? Seriously. <laughs> like, can I never – like, we've just smashed what some people's a premiership favourite coming into the season, or at least one of the best teams, smashed them in the first game, and now the season's been called off. When do I get to win a premiership? And speaking of uh, haircuts, we, we should just go back to the Saints-North uh, uh, game because the other thing I noticed was Ben Cunnington, who actually was the match winner for North, really. But I always thought Ben Cunnington was going bald, right? You think of Ben Cunnington, you think of like balding, balding Ben Cunnington. That's what I call him, baldy Ben Cunnington. <laughs> Not to his face, obviously, but he looks like... He's taken some advanced hair, like he's got his hair's grown back, or it's grown out, or something. It didn't. I didn't even recognise him at first. Are you googling it? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I am. Of course, I am. I'm. I'm googling. Oh, yeah. He, no, he. He was definitely bald. Oh, okay. It's okay. I found. I may have found a photo that might explain things. Uh, it's a photo of Ben Cunnington. Has always looked like if he was going to get played by a movie actor. He'd be wrapped Statham. if Jason Statham got the job. Yeah, he's got a he's got a Statham look about him. You know, he's got that sort of hard man. You know, I reckon. Okay, but here we go. Did you find a photo from this weekend? Um, we should uh, tell people at home that Charlie and I are recording on sh- Skype. Yes, but um, uh, but it turns out that uh, we've got quite a um uh, a connection that has some pauses in it today and when i went to open this article from the herald sun about ben cunnington's hair our connection pretty much disappeared for a minute but i think i have you back charlie and i have this article so i will be able to read you uh from fiona Byrne in the sunday herald sun ben cunnington to rock new look hair in 2020 100 percent. this is <laughs> This is right in our zone. We've we found our level. This might be the season for two guys, one cup. So, 
Um, here's the little uh, uh, like kind of tagline they have under the headline, Charlie. Most AFL players go under the knife to fix their shoulders or knees. However, North Melbourne midfielder Ben Cunnington is having surgery to replace his thinning locks. Holy shit. How did we not know about this? This should have been front page for Two Guys, One Cup. Yeah, well, this is because we have six months off each season for the off-season, Charlie. But we're not going to be able to do that because they're going to be playing AFL football up to Christmas, apparently. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, I, 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 firstly, I hope it was included in the off-season um, surgery notes that the clubs <laughs> yeah, put out. You know, yeah, where they're yeah. just like... Shoulder clean-up, <laughs> arthroscope. Sean is going in for a... Yeah, exactly. And uh, Ben Cunnington, here. Um, North Melbourne's Ben Cunnington is hoping for a hair-raising beginning <laughs> to the 2020 footy season. Uh, the midfielder has started treatment with Advanced Hair Studio to rid himself of his thinning locks and replace them with a lux- luxurious thatch. Look, hang on. Now... If you were going to pick one player in the AFL who would not care about his personal appearance, you'd say Ben Cunnington, right? Like, this is, comes as a bit of a shock. 100%. This guy even... I, I imagine he doesn't even have mirrors in his hut in the woods. <laughs> Least likely guy. I always thought his hair was like that because he basically cut his own hair with his knife that he also used to kill live pigs. <laughs> like, he... Has always struck me as a guy who would not give a shit about the fact that he was going bald. But maybe it's the opposite, Charlie. Because we know that Ben Cunnington is... Because I think of it like, well, he's not doing selfies. He's not on social media. Why does he care about his personal appearance? But maybe it's the opposite. Because you know how sometimes with country people, the thing that the only thing that you can really get them about is the fact that they're going bald? And he feels like one of those real <laughs> old school blokes who just the idea that he was going bald would be... That's your that's your core advanced hair demographic, I think. Yeah, because it's it's attacking his masculinity. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Is like a real man grows a full head of hair. In fact, he would look at you with your lovely lux- luscious locks, and he would just be like, he would feel like, how does that pansy man have a full head of hair when me, Ben Cunnington, who gets up in the morning and strangles a kangaroo and chops down a tree with my bare hands? Can't even keep my hair. It's not fair. Uh, by the way, interesting choice for a guy who plays for North Melbourne to be strangling a kangaroo when they get up in the morning. Doesn't feel like it's <laughs> particularly in good taste, but sure. <laughs> but the funny thing is when I saw his hair, and this makes 100% sense now, I was like, oh, he looks like Brent Guerra. Why does he look like Brent Guerra? And it's because he went to the same place to get and they give them that same kind of short little rug look it's not it's yeah it's 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 the it's the brink wearer that's what he asked for give me the guerra well here's what he's done so he hasn't just had the laser treatment down at advanced hair but he's actually had surgery so after laser treatment in august cunnington underwent surgery on his scalp a fortnight ago so what do they do they like cut open your hair head a bit and plant some hair in there is that basically what happens i think they yeah they take hair from like the back part, they do a, a, a skin transplant where they take where the hair is growing from the back of your neck and put it in your front. Okay, so um, his Hirschute transplant. Ben, ben would have had it done with no anesthetic, I imagine. He just like a bottle of whiskey. He just swigged from a bottle of whiskey while the doctor was doing the implant. Yeah, and just holds his knife between his teeth for the pain. <laughs> <laughs> Get me a kangaroo in here to strangle. Actually, strangling the kangaroo is how Ben and Cunnington refers to masturbation. <laughs> Sorry, love, I've just got to go out and strangle the kangaroo, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry, you got a little bit of shinbone and spirit all over ben, the floor. Ben, everybody knows what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Need a sock to wipe up my shinbone and spirit. <laughs> uh, okay, so yes, there's a picture of him, Charlie, with what would look like he's had a you know a Joel Selwood-style football injury. And then his new head of hair that he's got up on top that, that's just been right. surgeryed on. And he is absolutely wide awake with a big thumbs up like this. So double thumbs up he's giving. So I'm going to say you're absolutely right. Did not want anesthetic. Just wanted to feel what it was like <laughs> to get it. And he's got quite a uh, low cut gown on, um, like surgical gown on. And what I'm noticing is incredibly hirsute from the nose down. 
Like he's got a good five, like he's got right. like facial hair like you do, grows facial hair very easily yeah. and then got quite a hairy chest as well. So the fact that right. his dumb, bald scalp couldn't produce hair at the rate the rest of his body, <laughs> he's like, I look down, all I see is hair. But, you know, up here, cold all day long and real men don't wear hats, so I need a new, <laughs> new head of hair. Do you reckon maybe the hair was implanted not from the back of his neck? Maybe they could take it from any part of his body, like from his buttocks or something. I mean, wouldn't it be great if... Um, <laughs> what I love, by the way, there's this other photo. We've got to post this because it's the doctor from Advanced <laughs> Hair Studios. And I'm going to see if I can drop it into your butt so he can actually have a look at it. But um, it is the least Ben Cunnington style photo you would ever see in your life like i'm starting to think that ben cunnington may not be the man that we thought he was because yeah there is- this could be the start of ben cunnington like getting an instagram account suddenly he's like posting influencer type photos on a on a rooftop with a cocktail oh, hang on i don't know if it's coming through but essentially i'll i'll, I'll describe it to you it's him with like essentially yeah. he's recently you know cut open head and then two nurses and the doctor, and they're all staring into a mirror. What? So he's looking into the mirror, kind of, I guess, you know, that scene from, uh, you know, the famous Joker scene. I'm looking at the photo. I found it. This is, well, this is, I'm I'm finding this quite upsetting. (laughs) This photograph, this is not the Ben Cunnington we've talked about. What, the fact that he even posed for this photo, what is going on? It's like, it's like he's in the pantomime for like Snow White, mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah. So they're all staring into a giant mirror. Well, it's, it's like the scene from The Joker where, you know, he grabs the mirror and he like yeah, yes. smashes the mirror when he sees his new appearance. Except it's the opposite when it comes to Ben Cunnington because he is staring into this giant mirror. And then the doctor and the two nurses are also staring into the mirror, which makes no sense at all because they can just look at his head. Like, there's no purpose for them to look into that mirror while he's looking into the mirror. It is an incredible photo. So, Ben Cunnington, who, you know, up until now we thought, like, you know, guarded his privacy, didn't want to connect with social media or anything like that. But to, looking at these photos, I, this is clearly some kind of contra deal where he has got the free surgery in return for, you know, to do this article and post for some photos or whatever. But isn't the whole point of getting, like, that surgery is you want it to be subtle. You don't want people to notice. You don't want to go on a publicity tour and have Fiona Byrne, Fiona Byrne, was it, writing an article about you in the age? Well, even the fact that he's like looking proudly into the mirror at <laughs> essentially he looks like he's been in an accident because he's just recently out of surgery. It's not like they have at this point fixed his hair in any way. So like, I can understand the idea of like three months from now when like the hair's grown back, you get a picture of him looking in the mirror and being impressed by it. But at the moment, he's looking in the mirror and he's so happy. Maybe this is the thing, Charlie. This is more Ben Cunnington now. He likes that look. He doesn't give a shit about having new hair. He just wanted somebody to cut open his head so it would look really scary. It's like, look at how menacing I look. I look fucked up. This is bringing me so much joy. He'll hate when he grows an actual decent head of hair. Of all the players, too, to have that surgery done, like, you're not going to sledge Ben Cunnington, are you? Like, I mean, I imagine all the Saints players who ran out on Sunday would have seen that and it would have been, as they're doing the warm-up, they're like, have you guys seen, like, Cunnington's hair? But no one's going to go up and say anything, are they? Well, I think that's why he doesn't mind, you know, it not being subtle. Because yeah. who is ever going to bring it up to Ben Cunnington? <laughs> he lives this life where no one ever brings up anything embarrassing he does. He can do as many embarrassing things as he wants to do because nobody ever has the guts to bring it up. <laughs> um, were there any other games that caught your fancy? Did you see any of the, the, the Richmond Blues game? Uh, Richmond Blues I saw. Um, Bulldogs I watched a tiny little bit of and went, okay, well, this is not for me. Um, <laughs> don't like watching them live at the best of times, but definitely – don't want to watch that. I was like, no one, no one's there at the ground. I don't need to be putting myself through this at home. And then I just saw little tiny bits and pieces over the weekend. But I, I, I had the sense that yeah, we were seeing something that we weren't going to see for the rest of the season. And I, I, I my heart wasn't fully in it. I've got to say. Yeah, I think that was the general vibe. Even like when I was sort of following things on Twitter and stuff. I was checking out the game hashtags and there wasn't the normal kind of banter. Like I think everyone sort of is in the same boat. And I've also reckoned that like Gil has copped 
a lot of criticism, but I think what he's had to deal with and the way he's fronted up to the media has been pretty impressive. Like I think that the in a very difficult position with millions and millions of dollars on the line and livelihoods at stake and stuff, I feel like he's been quite transparent. Whether or not the decision to play round one was a smart one or not, I feel like he has been very transparent the whole way along in doing those press conferences. I don't think we lost anything out of playing round one. Like, I don't think the AFL have endangered anyone particularly. And I don't think, well, more than general society was, you know, because things have changed so quickly. And as soon as things change, they adapted to it. And yes, he's he's in charge of this, you know, multi-billion dollar business that we all love so much. And if he does a bad job of getting us through these times, then at the end of this, the business will not exist in the way that we enjoy it. So, so far, he seems to be doing as good a job as you could possibly be doing, you know, in the face of such adversity, I think. Mm. Uh, Well, good news. We launched our Two Guys, One Cup uh, email account last week, twoguysonecupafl at gmail.com. That's the number two, the letter one, twoguysonecupafl at gmail.com. And we had a bit of correspondence. I actually sent myself a test email just to make sure that it was working. And I wrote a message to us saying, hey, you guys suck. (laughs) And I'm happy to say that that was the only abusive uh, letter we received from anyone. Um, Most of them very complimentary. I've picked a few out here. Uh, This was from Natalie. And she sent this uh, after our round one, uh, after our round one review. Uh, hey guys, love the show. I was a little disappointed that you guys made no mention of the AFLW, which has been cut short with teams unknowingly playing their last games if they haven't made the cut for a rushed final series. It means amazing athletes like Mel Hickey are now retiring from the sport without the chance to pull on the jumpers one more time. I was particularly annoyed as you spent quite a bit of time riffing on the idea of elite athletes playing on substandard suburban and country grounds, which, hello, is the AFLW. But on a lighter note, I think you forgot to guess the captain of the West Coast Eagles. I'm not sure we guess captains, do we? We just guess best and fairest. I don't think that we guessed any of the captains. No. But that would be a fun game for us to play because oh, they have changed a lot. I think we would really struggle with, we really with struggle. the captains of the AFL teams. <laughs> uh, thanks for all the love you send West Coast Wade the last couple of years. It's been very enjoyable to listen to uh, hear you guys fall in love with my team despite yourselves. Cheers, Nat. Uh, yeah, look, we didn't talk about the AFLW. Uh, apologies for that. But... Um, it was uh, there's, there was a lot to talk about. We were putting off. We were putting off. Uh, you know whether or not we're even going to do the show. Um, and also, I've got to admit that I I'm not literate enough with AFLW to speak with any confidence. I only really just started following it this year because St Kilda have a team, <laughs> and I've got to tell you, I find it a lot more interesting and compelling when you've got a team to follow in the AFLW. Uh, in previous seasons, I've followed it really closely, but because of the fact that we have. Um, I was on the road doing shows and then suddenly have got into this period of time where, you know, everything's been cancelled. I must admit that I, the reason that we haven't spoken about it is because I haven't had a chance to watch any of it. In fact, I've watched, I guess, one full game of football out of everything that's happened this year because I didn't watch any of the preseason or anything either. So I watched about three quarters of the the uh, Collingwood game. Uh, sorry, I watched about three quarters of the Blues uh, in Richmond, and I watch about a quarter of the Collingwood Bulldogs, and that is the only football that I've seen this season. So, yeah, I think it's um, really sad for the AFLW, particularly because they got so close to completing their season. And, you know, if they had made another call last weekend, yeah, there's a possibility they could have perhaps played a grand final. Um, I think, this, yeah, the competition seems to just keep growing and growing in strength. But the reason that we haven't talked about it was because we weren't watching it. And the reason we weren't watching it was not out of some sort of, you know, um, preference of AFLM over AFLW. It was literally just because I hadn't had a chance to watch any football at all. Gary writes in, uh, had an idea for the Gold Coast. They should put all their money into palliative care. Beams went to Queensland to hang out with his dad who was unwell. Gaff was going to go back to Victoria for his dad. So the sons should build an aged care facility, offer discounts to parents and AFL stars. It would switch up the whole going home to be with my family excuse. Gary. That's not a bad idea. They're going to have to do something. I mean, the Gold Coast itself is a bit of an aged care facility. Like it is marketed to retirees, right? Well, the bottom end is all sort of party and fun, but then... You sort of like your Gold Coast retiree audience. So c- could could they in some way 
essentially if you're in a zone, you know, like sometimes if you're in like a, you know, if you live near the shops, you can park at the shops for free, whereas people who don't live near the shops can't. Yeah. Is there some sort of thing they could do on the Gold Coast where they put the ground just in the middle of a big retirement <laughs> village so that literally like the Oval is in the middle? So perhaps you could do that thing where not only could the old people come and watch the game then, but it would be a good excuse for you to go and visit Nan. You know, you go... I'm going to go and see Nan. We're also going to go, you know, see, see them play college. That's a great idea. All right, Wayne writes in. This is a fairly long one. Hi, Will and Charlie. I'm a Canadian and a diehard Saints fan living in Canada. The Saints chose me to barrack for them when I was living in Melbourne a few years back in the early aughts. I say this because I believe in my heart that you don't really choose your footy team as much as your footy team chooses you. Looking back, I don't really have much to say in the matter. I remember Hawthorne was in the mix at the time, but their colours were brown and yellow, and all I could think of was shit with corn. <laughs> and Shane Crawford highlights. <laughs> Couldn't get past any of it. Note to self, be less superficial. Oh, my God. Imagine if you'd picked Hawthorne instead of the Saints in the aughts. <laughs> you'd be so much happier. I mean, you can't judge a book by its cover, and you can't judge a football team by its colours. It's a bit tricky, but I managed to keep up with the games and watch the footy talk shows and listen to your podcast. I have precisely no one to talk to about the footy over here, let alone St Kilda, so it's great to listen to you guys, not remember players' names, and commiserate with Charlie every week. Every single week. <laughs> what I wanted to write to you about was the COVID, the AFL's COVID response to the season opener from an extra Australian uh, perspective. In short, I think it looks really bad. In Canada, we shut down everything. No bars, shops or restaurants remain open, save groceries and pharmacies. No organized sports are being held whatsoever. Our ice rinks have been transformed into medical facilities. Our prime minister is in self-isolation during press conferences from his front porch. To see Australians playing a contact sport while the rest of the world is locked down boggles our collective minds. And you're getting press. The AFL may be the only professional sport on the planet still being played. Watching the talk shows like 316 on the couch when the decision to go ahead was being made, I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. The only voices of reason I heard were Jared Waitley, Peter Larkin, and God help me, Gary Lyon. They were arguing respectively uh, that it set a bad example, it was too risky, and that it felt rushed considering we we're at the very beginning of a global and lethal pandemic. Everyone else was either blinded by savage hunger to witness a footy season or by the money that might be lost without one. The glee on Eddie Maguire's face and the dollar signs in his eyes when the season was announced was so disgusting, I had to turn it off. Uh, listen, I get it. If there's a Saints game, uh, I'll watch it. I love footy. I want there to be footy, but I also want to visit my friends at the pub and go out for dinner and go on that skate trip I booked six months ago. But we don't do these things because it's dangerous. It's not for ourselves, but for others. Honestly, I don't see much difference between those millennial those millennials partying in Florida during the spring break and the AFL deciding to go ahead with the season opener. I love Australia and I love the AFL, but this is not a great look. And I really hope it doesn't lead to something terrible. Go footy. Love all your podcasts. Keep it up. The We Wayward Saints fans are listening and stay healthy. By the way, I'm also a doctor, not a medical doctor, but a PhD in engineering. Hope that counts. That counts. Our other podcast, TOEFOP, uh, number one medical podcast in that it's the number one podcast listened to by medical professionals. So a big shout out to everybody who was on the front line, all the doctors and nurses and emergency workers who who uh, actually listen to this podcast. Uh, hopefully, maybe in your downtime, the small amount of downtime you would have on the front lines of this pandemic, uh, we are bringing some relief to you guys. And I think that that is absolutely a well-considered... I think yeah. Australia was behind the world. You know, we are a little island continent and our government was slow to act and we are now quickly everyone pretty much is in isolation most of the states are now shut down for at least 48 hours everything but essential services and everybody is self-quarantining but a week ago well nine days ago um you know in australia we were still at the adelaide fringe festival doing you know shows in front of you know hundreds of people and thousands of people gathered around you know uh, three weeks ago there was you know 80 85,000 people at the mcg watching the yeah, things have changed so quickly. And yes, I think that the AFL was absolutely correct to shut it down. And probably from a world perspective, it was a bad example to go ahead because it fed into that idea that things were still okay. And it gave people who weren't paying attention the idea that things were still okay. Yeah, but I, I think though when you actually watch those games, you got the sense that things were not okay. Just those empty stadiums were very haunting. Uh, A. Will and Charlie... 
I'm a new American AFL fan. Last year was my first season following the AFL. I watched a lot of Collingwood because of Mason Cox. I remember watching him play basketball at Oklahoma State, but I don't really have a team to cheer for and follow. So I am putting my AFL fandom in your hands and will root <laughs> for whatever team you pick for me. Uh, first lesson about barracking for an AFL team or an Australian team in general is you don't use, use the term root. It means something very different in Australia. Well, you know what? Sometimes you do need to root for your team. This might be a Peter Costello style. Remember when Peter Costello, you know, the baby boom, he was the treasurer of Australia and his big thing was you got to have one kid for yourself and one for the country. Well, maybe this is going to be what the AFL clubs are also going to have to do. And in fact, I'm not just talking about the members in this situation. You, you might, this might be the perfect time if you've got, say, a club full of young guys who are thinking of starting families. <laughs> no better time. To just get into it. Let's get to those father, son, father, daughter picks, you know, away. This is, this is the time to plan for 20 years from now. Uh, some quick fa- uh, facts about me, I assume, to help us pick a team for him. I live in Atlanta. Yes, please. I'm an engineer. Our second engineer who's also from overseas. Uh, I play rugby and I follow the Yankees in, the, um, uh, in Major League Baseball, the Colts in the NFL and the Bruins in the NHL. I know I have some weird sports fandoms. Can't wait to get my new favorite AFL team. Thanks for Tofop and two guys, one cup. Okay, so, well, Atlanta. Who are the teams in Atlanta? It's Atlanta Eagles, right? Yeah, so, or Falcons. I think the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and Atlanta Hawks. Okay, Hawks. Atlanta Hawks, Hawks, okay. Falcons, (laughs) Eagles. So, like, you want a bird team, I imagine. I mean, it would be easy enough to go. Although he is a guy who clearly doesn't support all the Atlanta teams. Like, you know, he's got a widespread of like different cities when it comes to his sporting tastes. So yeah. And it, well, I think what's telling is he goes yeah. for the Yankees, which is interesting. Like he started watching Collingwood games and his MLB team is the Yankees. So he's obviously not against a big franchise team, but then he also supports the Colts who are kind of a smaller team in the NFL. So he's got a, you know, a man of a, a man of many seasons. Yeah. Because you, you immediately you could go, well, if you find a barrack for the Yankees, then you're probably fine to be a Collingwood fan. Like maybe you just go with the Mason Cox connection and you get on board at the Pies. That makes a lot of sense to me. But um, we're looking at Atlanta teams. We've got the Hawks um, in, in the baseball and we've got the Falcons in the NFL. So definitely, you know, bird related. You could go the Hawks, straight swap there. You know, so, I mean, Hawthorne, good obvious choice, the Hawks. Or you could maybe, like, go the Eagles. I mean, the Magpies are a bird as well, you know, if we're talking about bird-related things. So, I mean, there's a bit of a connection there. Is there an engineering, like, would it be better, for example, you know, do you want to play in, you know, do you want to go for the Eagles because they play at that new Optus Stadium in Perth and it's a, you know, feat of modern-day engineering. Well, I think so if you, you need went- to think a bit more creatively, like, what coach has the best structures. I mean, I, I'm, the more we talk about it, the more I think Hawthorne makes the most sense. A, because the Atlanta Hawks, but B, because, you know, Clarko's cluster, you know, he's the way he structures his teams. He's a he's an innovator, like, you know, an engineer might be. I mean, Hawthorne is the safest bet, regardless. Like, uh, you know, Mike Howell fell into Hawthorne, kind of dumb luck more than anything, but that was a great team for a new person because you're only, what, three years away from any from a premiership. Yeah, at any stage. I mean, is there any value? I mean, obviously, you know, in Sydney, you've got the Swans and you've got uh, GWS and they, of course, you know, they play their famous <laughs> Battle of the Bridge. If you're an engineer, would you be excited by the Battle of the Bridge just because it also involves a bridge? Yeah, I don't know. I love the way that you pitch all engineers as being, they're, they're exclusively interested in structures. <laughs> They cannot concentrate on anything else apart from things that have been built and riveted. Um, well, I've got to be honest with you. If I, if I was trying to follow a sport in another country and one of the teams played exclusively at local comedy clubs, I would be immediately <laughs> interested in that team more than I would be interested in the other teams because I'd be like, well, this is great. I can go and watch my team play, but I could also check out the local comedy club. Would you recommend the Bulldogs? What can you sell? Sell the Bulldogs to him. No. No, thanks. <laughs> not after round one. <laughs> no, not right now. Would you like to be happy for seven weeks out of the 50 years of your life? <laughs> then sure, barrack for the fucking Bulldogs. Uh, we have another email. This is our third email from overseas, our second one from the United States. Maybe we're finding out 
that we are huge. <laughs> like we'll be the David Hasselhoff of AFL podcast. No one in our home country listens to it, but we are huge overseas. Yeah, we're the most popular <laughs> AFL podcast for overseas <laughs> For people listeners. who don't know anything about AFL. Uh, this is from Brad. Guys, all of the sports in the USA shut down. So what's a Tennessee boy to do? Thank goodness for the AFL. Uh, and thank goodness you guys are still talking about it. It's great to hear your thoughts on the footy again. Go Cats from Brad. So, all right. Well, Brad, who's also an American, barracks for the Cats, arch nemesis of the Hawks. So if you barrack for Hawthorne and he barracks for the Cats, maybe you guys can get together and uh, share a rivalry. That would work out, wouldn't it? Yeah. And Tennessee is the Geelong of America. So that does make sense. <laughs> Last one is from Sam um, Warple Mitchell. Uh, Mitch Thorpe looks a whole lot like Tom Mitchell. So thoughts that in Mitchell's absence, Warple, a.k.a. Thorpe, was trying to steal his football powers, question mark? Uh, look, as we stated in the uh, in the round one reaction uh, podcast we did, I clearly mixed up Mitch Thorpe and uh, Justin Warple. <laughs> What's his name? James Warple. Uh, Mitch Thorpe and James Warple. <laughs> Um, I also have some correspondence here, Charlie, from our Facebook page. Okay. Um, just a couple of things. Firstly, James has uh, sent us a message to say, I noticed Dylan Roberton was wearing different coloured socks to the rest of the team in the weekend's match. Who was? Dylan Roberton. Oh, come on, mate. He's come back from two years with a heart condition. Are you going to pick on him for his socks? Give him a break. Dylan gets oh, a pass. Think- do you think that's what it is? He's brought the wrong socks and nobody's mentioned it because he, he had a dicky heart? Might be. But I mean, he's got a pacemaker now. Well, not a pacemaker. He's got like a defibrillator implanted on his heart. Maybe it's powered by his socks. There's like a little battery uh, cord that runs down to his leg. Uh, all right. Um, Martina sent us a lovely video that we might post on our Facebook page with her permission of her dog, Monty, singing along to the theme song of our podcast as she was playing it, which is pretty fun. <laughs> Uh, so thank you for that. Um, Sean sent us a link to a Port Adelaide game that we would be terrible at because Port Adelaide have their own uh, merchandise, Charlie, which is the game Guess Who, which is pretty much us trying to identify Port Adelaide players. <laughs> We'd be particularly bad at the Sydney Swans edition of Guess Who. Does he have a moustache? Yes. No idea. <laughs> Did he win your best and fairest? Yes. No, no idea. idea. <laughs> Uh, Darren had a suggestion of our conversation around the All-Star Weekend and the kicking competition. He said, what about a kicking competition where guys have to have set shots at goal while Meatloaf sings live? Oh, yeah. That'd be good. Meatloaf or Angry Anderson. You can one of your, you can pick either. Um, Bill sent us a little follow-up that said, um, uh, did you notice that Luke Davies Uniaki, LDU, of course, UDL, uh, will miss an indefinite amount of footy due to pubic overload. Is that true? Yeah. Is that the ne- is that the next stage of the dreaded osteitis pubis? Pubic overload. Yeah, I believe is pubic overload. I mean, look, they are young men. They a lot of them probably ever got a bit of pubic overload. If you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, ben sent us a link to uh, a Nat Fife um, article about uh, snowboarding. His snowboarding holiday. Do you want to hear a little bit about Nat? Five snowboarding holiday? Yeah. I mean, I imagine that he took a private chopper to the top of the Swiss Alps or something like that and was dropped off. Okay, here we go. Um, dual AFL Brownlow medalist Nat Five chose Nisiko for his New Year holiday. Um, all right, here we go. Where's that? Um, uh, Japan, maybe? Like, there's a lot of skiing in Japan. Nisiko sounds very um, Japanese, I would have thought. Um Thanks, Mike. North Island of Japan. uh, There we go. So um, uh, they ask him, is it your first time here? Uh, Yes, it's my first time here. I've simply been amazed. I've been to Canada, so I have some experience with snow. Plus, you know, I'm in Western Australia and I'm an AFL player, so I I assume he's seen his fair share of snow around the nightclubs in Western (laughs) Australia as well. But this is on another level. (laughs) It's everything I expected it to be and more. We've been treated with the snow quality and got some great snowboarding in. 
Um, all right. Have you always been a snow lover? I didn't even see snow until I was about nine. And that was in Tasmania for two days. And it was pretty horrible. The next time was in Canada two years ago. So it was a long time between drinks. This has been such a foreign experience. It has been literally a foreign experience. Now you're in a different country. To be able to take a gondola up as late as 8 p.m. and feel, still find fresh, untracked snow. It's really special. Um, uh, all right. Uh, what else do you need to know? Uh, what's more fun? What do you think he thinks more fun, snowboarding or playing footy? Um, well, I think he would qualify that uh, footy is a job for him. It's fun, but snow, he, he loves snowboarding. Hard question because footy's my job. My employment. Uh, did he say that? <laughs> it ebbs and flows with good parts and difficult parts, high expectation and high pressure, but also moments of pure joy, elation and emotion. Whereas with snowboarding, I'm here for one week on a holiday experience in a great headspace and I'm simply here to have fun. So both have their high points. Well done, Charlie. You've almost answered that <laughs> entirely correctly. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. Here's another one. I think uh, the other thing he'd like about snowboarding is it would enable him to just wear, he, he could go down the mountain shirtless, but with his beanie on and his brown low. Do you think he snowboards wearing his brown lows? Uh, oh, well, Charlie, it's funny that you asked that because he's one of the questions they asked him. You're giving snowboarding a go. Is that ex- extra difficult with two brown low medals around your neck? Nat5 says, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. They clink together a fair bit. Did you say that? Fucking nat five, nat life. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, he's a keen surfer. So what does he think is more fun, snowboarding or surfing? Well, surfing's his first love. Uh, he grew up surfing, um, but he's uh, quickly learning to love snowboarding as well. Uh, can I take both, Nat oh. says? <laughs> the difference is that with surfing... The beauty is in that hopeful wait for the next set. The best wave of your life could be minutes away. Wow, and hang you'll on. be the only is this person. N- are they interviewing Nat Fife or Tim Winton? <laughs> <laughs> Look, we put a call through to Western Australia and we thought we got Nat Fife, but it may be Tim Winton. Um, the, it, it is poetry. The difference is with surfing. The beauty is in that hopeful wait for the next set. The best wave of your life could be minutes away and you'll be the only person riding it. Whereas with snowboarding, you're stoked for the whole time you're out there and you're sharing the experience with friends. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Hashtag Nat Life. Um, All right. Uh, Let me see if there's anything else here. Um, uh, uh, What about... um, All right. Okay, here we go. Let's finish on this one. Um, uh, it's been documented that you use meditation to keep yourself mentally well. Do you find snowboarding meditative? What do you um, think? Yeah, you have to, he'll say it's something about having to sort of like be in the moment and connecting with the board and being aware of your surroundings, something like that. Something about mindfulness? Totally. There's a thing called oh. active meditation, which is basically any activity that requires you to be totally present and undistracted by anything else. Snowboarding is certainly one of those activities. You're only thinking about your line, what you need to do, and you have to be totally focused in on what's happening. That's meditation. Oh, my God. I know Nat Fife better than he knows himself. <laughs> um. And uh, just before we finish up, Charlie, yeah. can I a um, uh, couple of uh, ones just following up things that we have uh, spoken about previously? Oh, well, actually, let's just uh, – we can just do this one, I reckon. Okay. So um, I talked about the idea that w- we spoke about hearing the sledges out on the ground and yep. I put forward the theory that there's only been a handful of good sledges in the <laughs> last 120 years of us playing AFL football. So uh, I've got a link here that was sent through by Paddy. Uh, Paddy, uh, it's a Reddit feed of the best oh, sledges on the footy field. Now, coming in in first place, of course, uh, Michael Voss, my dad fucked your mum last night, as previously mentioned. Yeah. On the also podcast. worth noting too, I listened back um, to the first episode <laughs> and you uh, misquoted that story 
<laughs> as Michael Voss going up to Brett Voss and saying, I fucked your mum last night. Which puts an entirely new spin on that. It was a very fucking good point. Um, all right. So, uh, my dad fucked your mum last night, of course, is the famous sledge. Yes. Important distinction. Um, very disturbing sledge otherwise. <laughs> Would be the most famous sledge in the history of the AFL if it was like, I fucked your mum, who was also my <laughs> mum last night. Now I'm inside your kitchen, aren't I? That kitchen where I fucked your mum and my <laughs> mum while she was cooking us a meal. <laughs> Uh, Joel McDonald to Brendan Favola was a good but uh, cruel one. Okay. Joel was at Melbourne and Fev was at Brisbane. So obviously Fev's gambling issues were well known, probably within playing circles, and he was living with Jonathan Brown at the time. The last time they played, Fev had won goal of the week and a TV along with it. When they lined up on each other pre-game, Fev said something like, all right, time to win another TV. Right? So in itself... Not that bad. Joel responded with, at least I'd have a house to put it in. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's getting real <laughs> real. That's dark. <laughs> uh, Wayne Carey was well known to ask the runner to get him a record so he could find out something about his opponent. <laughs> That's good. Oh, no, hang on. Sorry. That was leading up to it. I just thought that's what Wayne's Carey sledge was, was he would say to the runner, hey, can you go get me a record? Who's this guy I'm playing on? No, that was it. That was the entire sledge. Oh, that was yep. the sledge. Right. Um, okay. Uh, Justin Lepich to Lee Matthews. Now, this didn't even happen on the ground. So I think we're this, – this proves my point that there's not a lot of great sledges in the AFL because – um, this was uh, mentioned as one of the greatest ones. Did not happen on the ground. Happened, I believe, in an elevator after they won the three-peat. And Justin Lepich said to Lee Matthews, where would you be without us, Lee? And Lee Matthews said, guess I'd just be the player of the century. <laughs> so, I mean, is that a sledge or is that just <laughs> a cool Lee Matthews moment? Um. Michael Voss told the players and umpire to stop the game, stop the game. They've left one that of you. That he fucked his mum. <laughs> stop the game. <laughs> I fucked my mum. Guys. Michael Voss is on his sledge. He's like, fuck my mum. And it's like, Michael, it's, 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 it reflects poorly on you more than anyone. Got him again, <laughs> says Vossy. Runs off the ground, giving everyone high fives. <laughs> That's seriously, Vossy. You've got to stop telling people you fucked your mum. <laughs> <laughs> People often talk about Michael Voss as being the most ferocious player who ever played the game. Maybe it was because he was just constantly muttering about the fact that he'd made love to his own mother. <laughs> How did Michael Voss lose the players at Brisbane when he was coaching? Would not stop. <laughs> Brought his mum to the club. He said, this is her. It was an old lady. It really freaked out the kids. He was the precursor to Pornhub and their weird shift in tone. <laughs> yeah, they call it the Michael Voss category. <laughs> every every pregame speech by Michael Voss starts with, so my mum and I went on a holiday. Anyway... <laughs> We'd been at the beach all day. <laughs> Bossy. <laughs> um, Michael Voss told the players and umpire, in referring to Burns from Geelong, stop the game, stop the game. They've left one of the Oz kickers on after halftime. Uh, Chris Judd getting shit for all the shoulder tape on his arms. First game for Carlton against West Coast. Okay, so the West Coast Eagles are uh, giving him shit about all the shoulder tape. And, he, and Chris yeah. Judd said, uh, they're just tired from carrying you lot for the last five years. That's a good one. Uh, Stevie J telling Campbell Brown, uh, I'll take cash or credit because he had front row seats to the Stevie J show. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and then they've gone Sam Mitchell mimicking, injecting to the bombers at a breaking play. <laughs> That's in the top 10 sledges of all time. <laughs> that's it. That's that's all they have. So I think oh, well, my original point. If you've got to include point... that, then you have to include Dusty Dusty Martin's uh, doing a line of coke to Shane Mumford and then the, and then the bird. <laughs> I mean, if we're going down that path, the non-Michael So Voss I'm going to say 
there has been no good sledges in the history of the AFL. So the season has been suspended. Uh, so as we uh, mentioned uh, last week, we're probably going to be a bit sporadic when we release the episode, but we'll find stuff to talk about and keep sending in your questions and things to talk about to the email, which is two guys, uh, two guys, one cup AFL. That's the number two and the number one, two guys, one cup AFL, all lowercase at gmail.com. So send us in any queries or questions or hypotheticals you'd like us to talk about because uh, we'll keep putting some episodes out. But like we said, it may be a bit uh, a bit sporadic. And any of those deep dives on your team, you know, any team you want us to particularly explore or learn about, um, you know, anything that we can... Yeah, if, if you're a Swan supporter, <laughs> you want to tell us who your players yeah, are. Yeah, I would love to know more of these stories and get to know more of the players. So... Um, if there are particular areas that you are interested in, interested in us exploring, please uh, hit us up on the email. The email is the best place for that because then it'll all go to the the same place and we don't have to go to Facebook. Yeah. Uh, okay. Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two guys, one car.